welcome to What Is It About the Weather? Where once a week we get together and explore the many ways that weather intertwines itself into our lives. I'm your host, Mark Jelinek, and this week we're going to be discussing weather and stress. We're going to have lots of S's. Reminds me of Jungle Book and the snake who's trust in me. I'll try not to do too many S's. I know that that can be a little overwhelming in a podcast, listening to a human voice over S'ing. But let me start the podcast before we jump into the main topic today and take a moment to say thank you to all of you who are supporting the podcast. Of course, it's particularly appreciated those of you who are helping keep us cost neutral over at patreon.com slash weather or that have gone to our PayPal and made a donation. But it's also appreciated those that are telling others about the podcast giving feedback and show ideas, and just staying in touch. Heard from Aaron again this week with something that drives him crazy about weather. Aaron, it drives me crazy too. I'm actually going to use it in a future episode because I think it's an interesting topic. But given that I didn't hear from you till last night, I didn't get a chance to really create a response. I'll email you a little later. But again, thanks to all you who are doing things like that. Learn more about supporting the podcast at whatisitaboutthewether.com slash support. Now, it's meteorological spring, folks. And actually, that was stressful for me. The, the graphic I'm using for today's episode was the map that I saw when I got up was looking at the National Weather Service website. Stressful. But it also means that it's time for Weather Ready Nation Spring safety focus, and as a Weather Ready Nation ambassador, I will tell you it is a good time to make sure that you're in the know and are prepared. So go over to weather.com slash WRN for Weather Ready Nation and learn about all the things. You know, we're in that time of year here, I know, for where I am. We're kind of in that upheaval time. You know, we get these transitions of spring and fall, but spring tends to be a little more volatile where I am. But what's also interesting is you can still get that winter component, if you will, that we have to keep an eye out on. And heck, for you in the UK or in Europe, I know you're dealing with what's been a huge, I mean, winter event, snow in areas that don't usually get snow, lots of cold. And the spring program at Weather Ready Nation still touches on the winter elements, recognizing that that's still very real for lots of folks. And it can come on in a hurry. I mean, again, some of the bigger winter events that we've had in my region have been in that kind of spring window, if you will. Now, it's also, we're back to National Weather Podcast Month. Here we are. It's March 2018, year on. We sound so formal, right? But it is an opportunity. There's nine of us this year, nine different podcasts. They run a gamut. You can go to Weather Podcast Month. Dot com and check it out. I'm going to do an episode later in the month where I interview and talk to a couple of other hosts over at Weather Hype, Castle and Men. And actually, this past week, I was on their show. Well, we recorded a couple weeks ago, but it was published this week. Just do Weather Hype Podcast, and you can add episode 40 in there. Of course, there'll be a link in the show notes, but you don't need to go to the show notes if you don't want to. And you can hear what we talked about. And the role it plays, a lot of it was in follow-up to my AMS presentation, which I'm also going to put a link in the show notes because it's actually up and available now as well. 
But we dug a little bit into what role should podcasts play, you know, when it comes to keeping people weather ready. So catch out that episode, learn more about the podcast, participating in Weather Podcast Month, National Weather Podcast Month. And like I said, I will be doing a more in-depth episode and I'll talk about each one of them and kind of what they aim to do and the role they play or perceive themselves playing. But in the meantime, you can go learn about all the different participants again at weatherpodcastmonth.com. All right, let's talk about weather and stress. Weather and stress. Now, it can be stressful. Weather certainly can. You know, a major weather event's barreling down on you. Or like me, you got up this morning and you looked at that map and it was just stressful. Right? But how about the flip side of that? How about weather being part of what relieves your stress? You know, as we learn more and more about stress and the impacts it has on our body, I think we begin to appreciate how important it is to be able to get away from stressful environments and the things that trigger stress in our lives every day. So how do you feel about nature? Right? How do you feel being out in nature? Generally speaking, research has been shown that getting into nature supposedly makes you feel good. Now, in my opinion, it's not for everyone. You know, you can be cold or wet or it can even be dangerous at times. But generally speaking, how does it make you feel? Maybe even not being all the way out in it. How about if just, you know, it's a rainy day and you're in a car, windshield wipers are hitting back and forth. Or maybe you're sitting out on a porch, breeze is blowing through. How does that make you feel? You know, how does that combination of, you know, the the visual, the audio, the even the sensations, you know, if you're actually out in a little bit of rain or wind, how does it make you feel? Does it does it ease things off for you? Does it make you feel a little more relaxed? Now, some people may, again, say, well, you know, I'd be great if all that, if I could get that without having to actually get wet or, it, you know, having to be out in the wind, which might dry out my skin or other things. And for a long time, we've been pushing that idea and researching that idea that gets into Sometimes the environment or sometimes just the sounds themselves. You know, you, you think about different sound machines we've been able to buy for a couple decades, right? Play different sounds. can be anything from whale sounds to, you know, rainy storms. Or maybe the ocean. Or wind rustling through the trees. Heck, I even have here where I am a, a fountain out in a courtyard, and I know that that ambient sound of that white noise helps drown out other things. And in this mobile app environment, you know, we've got an app for doing everything and you'll find them that play nature sounds. Heck, even, even the assistants now, whether it's Amazon or Google or, or Apple, whichever one you might use, usually have, you know, with a quick command, you can get to, you know, a, a summer thunderstorm or a babbling brook, or whatever it might be, but they usually have some of these things readily available. 
Now, for years, I have found that this stuff definitely works for me. Right? It helps me take the edge off. I particularly like kind of a rainstorm. And I've used a couple things to get there. There's one that was a program. I don't think it's developed anymore. It was big in, in what I would call the Windows era. It's called Atmosphere Deluxe. And what I liked about it, it was very sophisticated. You could do not just, you know, a default kind of rainy storm, but you could tweak the things yourself, add, you know, different animals into the mix, have it ebb and flow the way you wanted to. And even in the early days of this podcast, I used sounds from that program as part of the intro before I was able to record some that I wanted to use of my own. I still use the app occasionally, not as much, again. But I also used it to create two scenes that I would carry, again, before there were mobile phones, and I had a PDA that could play MP3s. I had a couple on there. One was a kind of a rainstorm mode, and the other was more of a winter setting with some wind, but it was set inside, you know, with like a fireplace and that sort of thing. But I even found that there's a website called Rainy Day Mood, I think, that I'll just pull up from time to time. This plays a rainstorm in the background. Kind of keeps it going all the time. And I know others, you know, there's these coffee shop apps, if you will, that kind of just create an ambient sound. There seems to be this thing where we want to get away from pure silence. So I know this stuff works for me, and I know that you know they've been pushing this stuff for a while. But I, yeah, I'm a weather weenie, right? So does it work for others too? Well, it has to work for somebody else. But what's the research behind it? And is there really research? And is it sound, or are we just you know fallen victim to marketing? And the answer is there's actually lots of research. Now I came across an article that was newer that I'm going to focus on that was published within the last twelve months or so. But do know that there's actually tons of research, and it's been going on for decades. I found stuff as early as the 80s. And again, we're going to focus a little bit more on, on the sound component, but there's been you know research about just being out in nature and how it relieves stress. So this is probably why we got all these things marketing to us. There, there was some evidence that it worked. But let's talk about this kind of latest research because I think it wraps up both things that we had kind of learned as well as things that we're now starting to discover as they're able to add in things like doing MRIs while we're absorbing some of this information to see. Specifically, this one was titled Mind Wandering and Alterations to Default Mode Network Connectivity While Listening. Oops, I said that wrong. When Listening to Naturalistic versus Artificial Sounds. Now, that sounds like a, a mouthful and a lot to absorb. And I, I'll make the full article available to you. It is available. And I also will put a link in the show notes to one that kind of overviews it. So if you want a little more after going through the, the podcast but don't want to do a deep dive, I certainly understand that. In general, though, it was bringing together reaffirming things that we found before. And like I said, adding that MRI component to it where we could go through and look at the brain in ways that we haven't before. And it's got some neat graphic brain kind of graphics. And that's where that default mode network comes into play. And I'll come back to that. But let's start with some of what I would say the reaffirmations it gave to us in this process. The first of those is kind of subjective because that's what we've been able to study for a very long time, right? What do people think 
is their response to being in these natural versus artificial environments. In this paper specifically, they were looking at precisely that, things that were more associated with being in the outdoors or being out in nature, if you will, versus artificial sounds that would be created more in an urban environment, if you will. And the short answer is, subjectively, we think that nature is more pleasing, and we also find it less intense. Okay, so, you know, seemingly taking the edge off, right, and that we enjoy it more. On the flip side, we find those artificial noises, or if you will, man-made noises, to be more distracting. They take us out of whatever we were doing, and I can attest to that, even as I'm trying to record this podcast. As I mentioned before, there's some construction going on around where I am these days, and I have to stop and pause, and you know, sometimes I'm worrying if it's getting into the, the mix of the podcast and stuff. So it's very real, right? And it does kind of create that distraction element, as an example in this case for me. Now, the second component of it is measuring the heart. And again, we've been able to measure heart responses for a very long time. And there's a couple of things that come into play when you look at the heart element. And we've learned over time that the heart, you you not only have a pulse rate, you have a frequency. And I'm not going to get into all the nuances of what it means, but just know that behaviors in different frequencies kind of trigger different realities in our bodies. We have this referred to as parasympathetic and sympathetic modes. And parasympathetic really has to do, they call it feed and breed, has to do with the the non-focused uh, activities, if you will, of things like digestion, you know, the reproduction, things along those lines. But it's areas, as you can imagine, that you want your body to be undergoing while it's not necessarily in a high-stress environment right? Anybody that's ever had intestinal issues know that there's a strong belief that stress triggers it or makes it worse. So when we're relaxing and we're in that mode, we tend to get that. And that's what some of these frequency elements tell us. We also find that being in nature, so it increases the feed and breed, but it also decreases our tendency to get in the mode that's about fight or flight. Or if we're in that mode, it tends to, to bring down our amped up levels. Again, as you can imagine, there's appropriate times to be in fight or flight, but it's a big stressor to our body. We do know that. So it really juices it up. It has a lot of, we, you know, we release a lot of chemicals within our body when we're in that mode. There's a time and a place for it, but being in it all the time is not necessarily a good thing. So it reaffirmed and, you know, shed some new light on those areas, but by bringing the MRI in in this default mode network, and what default mode networks are is it's examining how the brain, different parts of the brain, interact with each other, particularly when we're in what you might call daydream mode or non-focus mode where you're not doing a specific task or oriented towards a specific activity. And there's two schools of thought about how nature sounds can play a role. And I'm not going to, again, this paper can get you into acronym modes, just like any weather paper can. But one of them is talking about how more effective we might be. That's one theory after being in nature or listening to nature sounds. And keep in mind, this one was very focused on the sounds themselves. And the other has more to do with recovering in post-stress events. Okay. So, and that can be, you know, being in, you know, post-traumatic stress of some major event, but it can also just be in a sudden stress event, whether it's 
you know, something you experienced in life or maybe, you know, a surgery that you've gone through. So it can be in the healing process. It can be in postpartum, you know, another event that is very demanding uh, on a woman's body. But in short, it's, you know, those are kind of two different competing or thought ideas as to how these nature sounds might relieve stress. And when we're dealing with these default modes, you know, there's two ways that we can kind of tend to look. We can tend to look out versus in. And when we're looking out, we're we're not thinking about ourselves. I mean, it's kind of the best way to summarize it. But when we're looking in, we tend to be focused on things that do drive more stress and anxiety and depression because it's very focused on you and what's going on with you. And a lot of times when you're focused on what's going on with you, it's, it's these potentially negative things. So what the research found, okay, and, and again, there's brain pictures in the paper if you like all that kind of stuff, is that nature sounds do tend to be very associated with these recovering after a stress event. Right, maybe not so much in the the focusing our attentions, but definitely coming out of the stress events. And you know, in the focusing thing, that gets back to that whole coffee shop app, which is people subscribe to the idea that we're able to concentrate more if there's at least something going on in the background. And I, I could understand that, right? Have you ever been in a place that's really so quiet that it almost is spooky quiet, and you're almost distracted by the spookiness? And even the research here, an interesting component to it was they found out that if you're stressed, that nature sounds definitely take the edge off. But if you're already in a stress a stress kind of free environment or a very low stress environment, it can actually amp it up a little bit. And that gets into this idea that maybe you were calm and serene and just any sort of sound or noise took you out of that. So maybe if you meditate and you come out of meditation, going right from meditation to nature sounds may not be the best thing. But the long and the short of it is what we're finding is we're we're reaffirming and learning more as we understand more about how the body works. That there is a real connection between our desire as humans to explore and enjoy and be part of nature, all right, and the sounds that we would typically associate it with it. They did, interestingly, they looked at what would be considered familiar versus unfamiliar sounds. They didn't find anything statistically significant along those lines, but I can appreciate why they would have gone that route because what may work for me in terms of nature sounds may only work, and this is, I guess I'm kind of putting words in their mouth, I don't know that this was their idea, that familiar sounds are soothing in addition to the fact that they're nature, right? But maybe we just like nature in general. Maybe we're predisposed for that is what what the findings tell us. But another thing that caught me, and, and again, this led open, you know, a bunch of doors, is how many references they had. This was, you know, 10 to 12 page article, but almost two pages of that was references. And so it does speak to the level of interest we've had in this. Because as you can imagine, always we're looking for ways to do things with less invasive approaches, less drug, you know, influenced approaches. And I know the pharma companies may not want to hear that. But if we can help our own bodies naturally do things, and particularly reducing stress and reducing anything that causes a stress to the body itself, not just our mental stress, but the physical stresses, can be a good thing. 
And this seems to bear out that for most of us, right, we have things that work in the nature sphere. For me, I do like the weather component. And I think there are a lot of people. Otherwise, these you know these rainstorm sounds being out there and all these different devices and all these apps and everything else, I don't think they'd be there if they didn't work for more than just me. But the good news is we, you know, for a long time, I think we hypothesized that they work because they seem to. But now more and more of the researchers were able to explore it tells us that. Now, if we can just get that portable MRI machine that's weatherproof, <laughs> we could go out and do the measurements of MRIs out in the open. So hopefully that gives you a sense that take advantage of these. I realize not everyone's going to be the same for everybody. And I guess I could do some sort of app review. I've downloaded a few of these apps. Some are better than others. But given that I've been around it so long, I have some of my own recordings. I'm able to leverage things I know. I, the website is one I use a lot. Rainy Day Mood. And I'm sure there are others. But, you know, if I'm in a, in a pinch, I'll, I'll put that on my web browser and turn it up and let it do its thing. Let me know. Do you have weather things that you use, whether it's a particular type of weather or whether it's one of these apps that help you take the edge off and fight stress? I'd be interested to hear about your experiences. As always, you can get hold of me at whatisitabouttheweather at gmail.com. Or, of course, you can go to the website and use the contact form, whatisitabouttheweather.com slash contact. They both get to me. And I'll be glad to interact with you on what your findings are and try them out. Uh, you know, I'm always looking for, for something new to give an approach to, especially when it comes to reducing stress. I think we could all use a little less stress in our lives. And, you know, particularly with these apps, it's, it's, it's encouraging, I guess, to think that maybe these same things that are poking and prodding us 24-7 can also soothe us a little bit. It's nice to imagine that in any case. All right, enough about stress. Let's let the stress go for a while. I came across an interesting kind of thing about, um, what was this? Yeah, a city here in the U.S. that had an 82-degree rise in one day. Now, that's about 45-ish. It's pretty close. Celsius, for those of you who are in the Celsius mindset. But imagine that. Imagine going through a day with that much temperature change. Now, it's not as common. And anybody that's ever, you know, even like when I spending more time in Santiago, it has that kind of desert feel. You can get 35, 40 degrees on, you know, when you have sunny days and the, just the cooling night when there's no clouds or anything to trap in any of the heat. But that's wholly different. This is like double that. And that doesn't occur all the time. But it's a reminder of how extreme in fluctuation, not just in the magnitude, but in fluctuation weather can be. And as we're in spring and in one of those transition seasons, it's when we tend to see these sort of things. I don't let me know if you've experienced that. So you can talk to me about stress. You can talk to me about maybe extreme weather fluctuations that you've experienced. I know I've heard from some people in the past about uh, cold fronts and, and winter weather coming through kind of in the fall season. Heck, we even had that snow here in Atlanta last year that was kind of, you know, we went from flowers blooming and everything seeming like it was, a, you know, still early fall to having a major weather event that was winter-like. Let me know. Be interested in hearing from you. All right. So with that, and my goal of trying to keep it a little shorter this week, because I know I ran a little long last week, I'll let you go. But don't forget, 
Weather Ready Nation, weather.gov, WRN, for being spring ready. And yeah, for those of you that are in other seasons in the Southern Hemisphere, you can get good stuff about all the year-round things. And weatherpodcastmonth.com. Check them both out. Learn something a little bit more about how weather is intertwined in your life. Take a look at the show notes. Learn a little bit more about how you can use weather to take some of the stress out of your life. And may your weather week be interesting, enjoying, enjoyable, informative, and maybe this week a little more relaxing as you learn new techniques to keep stress out of your life. Because as we all know, there's much more to weather than the weather itself. This is too production. We're tired of hearing our uncle grovel, so please support him on Patreon.com slash weather.